Hi, I'm Sarah, and this is my daughter, Allegra. You may know my mom from the Mom Hour. On this show, we talk about the books, shows, podcasts, and music that our family enjoys together, plus how we discover great media for kids and how we consume it. We also talk about other fun stuff like board games, tablet games, and movies. And today's episode is all about board games and also some games that don't have a board, but, you know, our family likes to play them together. Come on, Mom. Let's get started. Okay, we are back with episode five of Kid Literate. Hey, Allegra, welcome back. Hi, Mom. Thanks. Welcome, everybody. We are so excited to be here with you, and we are loving all of the emails and feedback we are getting about the podcast. So thank you guys so much. It's fun for us. Yeah, thanks, everybody. I love getting all the feedback. Like you said, today is going to be all about board games and family games. And my first pick is a game called Werewolf. It's not a board game, but it's, like you said, a game we like to play together, especially at like big group gatherings. Yeah. And if you've ever played Mafia, it's like that with cards. So the premise of the game is you have a group of people and everyone gets a card, which is your identity. You can either be a villager or a werewolf or some other special ones. Then everybody goes to sleep. The werewolf picks someone and then everybody tries to guess who the werewolf is and you have to defend yourself that you aren't a werewolf or that you're not a werewolf and you're a villager. So I'll jump in here and say this is kind of like a role-playing game, would you say? Yeah. There's lots of versions of this that don't require a deck of cards. In fact, I grew up playing something kind of similar. And you you told me once about a classroom, or you did yeah. it at a theater camp, right? Mm-hmm. So there's Mafia. actually, oh, that one's called Mafia. So the idea is it's kind of like a murder mystery. And, yeah. and somebody in the group is the murderer, and you have to figure out who it is through interacting with your peers. So this is a really interactive, this is like totally not a board game, actually. It's a really interactive kind of role-playing game. The version we have played does come with a deck of cards um, and comes with instructions for the narrator. So in our group of friends, we have um, a friend, Ron, who's a very good werewolf narrator. I would say it would help if someone in your group can take on that Kind of um, the role of like an MC. Like a dungeon master from Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Almost like that. Um, The one thing I will say about Werewolf is the premise could be a little dark. If you have little kids who don't want to hear about a werewolf, you know, killing villagers. Yeah. But Um, the narrator can make it sound better or worse. It's true. A little editing. Yeah. Um, And... The players should be able to read the cards they are given. We have played with a couple of (laughs) pre-readers. <laughs> yes. And it does make it a bit more difficult. So I would say six and up maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good pick. Okay. My first pick is a board game. It comes in, a you know, the flat box like board games tend to do. It's called The Amazing Labyrinth. And we first played this game at a family friend's house who had kept it from when her boys were growing up. And they are my age. They are grownups now. And um, but I was happy to see it does exist. They've updated it. So it is a board. It opens up flat like a board game board. Um, And it has these tiles that can slide around on the board that create a maze that either connects, you know, the pathways either connect to each other, allowing you to move through, or they don't, depending on how you push these tiles around. Um, The running joke in our family is I am very spatially challenged. I have a really hard time imagining if I move this tile here, it's going to open up this spot over here, and then I'm going to be able to advance to where I need to go. And that is the point of the game. At the same time, I like this game because players of all abilities can play together 
And it's it's fun whether you're good at that kind of thing or not, because the turns are relatively fair. Would yeah. you say it's it's pretty uh-huh. hard for somebody to gang up on you and uh, and use their and win at the same time? Yes, exactly. Like it's hard. You only have one move per turn. You can't like push this and then push this and then like create like a whole pathway. to. No, exactly. So even when there's a, a distance between, say, the youngest player and the oldest, I find it fun for everyone. everyone. Um, and it moves relatively quickly and you don't have to be able to read. So that's yes. a it gets a major you vote get for little me. little picture cards and then you have to go collect them all and then get back to your base. Right. And even if every turn you're just wildly guessing which way to push your tile. You know what it reminds me of? It's like those slide puzzles. It's like, a, you know, yeah. the slide puzzles where you're trying to move things around to get things to fall into the right place to make yeah. a picture or to solve something. It's that mm-hmm. same part of your brain, which I do not have, but I still like this game. Um, and it works great for, is it four four players max or can you have yeah, more? Yeah, four players max because each base is on four corners of the board. Okay, so that is the amazing labyrinth. What have we got next? So another game that I'd like to recommend is a game called Othello. We got it actually pretty recently and it's a game of strategy. Their slogan is a minute to learn, a lifetime to master, which I think is pretty true. You have these tiles, and if you can flip over a piece that locks in your opponent's color, then you get to flip all those other, and you take control of those pieces. And your goal is, by the time you run out of pieces to add onto the board, then you have the most out of the other players. Yeah. So there's little black and white circles that you flip them over. One side's black, one side's white, and you're trying to place your circles in such a way to get the most your color. It is. It's it's a simple game to learn, but there can be a lot of strategy in playing. It's yeah. a two-player game. My brother actually got really good at it. Yeah, he tends to do that with strategy games. But yeah, I also find this a pleasant game to play. It's an easy game to teach somebody. Two players, so mm-hmm. no more than two. And the box says seven plus, but I age think that's seven, yeah. age seven plus. I think, yeah, that's about Right. I think so. To use to do the strategy part yeah. of it to kind of know where it might be frustrating to make your next move. There's like, no reading though. So if you have a strategy based yeah. person who doesn't know how to read, yeah. then it's great. Yeah. No, I agree. That's a good one. I, I grew up playing Othello and I had kind of forgotten about it and then we got it recently. All right. So my next suggestion is a party game, not a board game. This is most fun with a whole bunch of people. It's called Left Center Right. It's a dice game. Um, we ha- we like to play it with as I mean as many as six, seven, eight, ten people all sitting around yeah. a circle, and everybody starts out with either dollar bills or chips in front of them. And there are three dice. They are labeled well. They're um, they're labeled. They either have an L for left, an R for right, a C for center, or a little dot that means yeah. nothing. Yeah, you're safe. So you roll the three dice and whatever lands, that's what you do with your three chips or dollars. So on any given roll, you might get to keep some of what's in front of you. You might have to pass some to the left, some to the right, some to the center. It moves really fast. Um, Great for all ages. And again, you do not have to be able to read if you can recognize letters. So we've played with really little ones. Yeah. So if it goes to the if it goes to the center or you pass them all away, the ones in the center stay in the center, and that's how the game ends. Mm-hmm. They all go to the center except for one players. 
But if you have none, you're not out because somebody from the left or right of you can pass. Yep. You just can't roll any dice for that turn. Yep. That is that is a great point. So you might end up sitting out for part of the game and then all of a sudden someone is forced to pass to the left and now you have dollar bills again and can roll the dice. So it moves quickly. It, it ends up being super exciting at the end because like you said, Allegra, there's a big mush pot of something in the center. Um, if you're playing with dollars, then whoever wins gets to take it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is really fun. Another thing I like about this game is it travels really easily. It comes in a little tin, but the tin is hardly bigger than a deck of cards and really yeah. lightweight. So you can tuck it in your purse and yet it's entertainment for like 10 people. Super fun. Yeah. Okay, so you are going in a totally different direction with this next uh, suggestion. What is it? Yes, so... This is a game that I learned from you and my grandparents. It's called Cribbage, and most of you probably know it. But you have to find 15s or like straights in your hand of six cards and give the other player two of your cards to try and make the best hand out of four. You're looking for 15s or straights, like I said, and then you move your pegs on the board. There's a lot of math involved because like you have to know seven plus eight. There's a ton of math involved. And here's what I will say. I I also learned cribbage as a child, and all of our children have learned cribbage. And I'm sure some of you out there are familiar, and others may have never heard of it or only familiar with the name. It depends what your family was into, because it's like something you do when you go up to see your grandparents. It's definitely of another generation, cribbage is. It is a two-person game. There, You can play with three people. We tend not to. If you don't know how to play cribbage and you're interested in learning, um, this would be one where I would watch a YouTube video, yeah. honestly. We're not going to be able to explain the rules to you here. It, yeah. It's a complex set of rules, and they're not really derivative of any other card games. It's not... I mean, obviously, you know what a flush is, and yeah, there's a little... those aren't very common, and they don't get you that many points. There's a little bit that's pulled from other card games like poker or hearts or whatever, but it really has its own set of, even its own set of vocabulary. 15, 2, 15, 4, mm-hmm. and a pair of 6. Yep. That will either sound familiar to you or not, but so much good math. So I would say 8 and up or even 9 or 10 and up, depending on your mental arithmetic. Yeah. But once you start playing, it's great for mental arithmetic. It's great it's a, it, there's a lot of luck involved, but also some skill. Um, and the boards are really pretty. So it's played on a wooden board, pegs on a wooden board. But just as a little tip, um, we have used that you can get a free iPad app that will simulate the wooden board in a pinch. So we prefer to play with a really nice wooden board and pegs. But if you don't have one, um, there's free iPad apps where you just lay the iPad on the table and move your pegs virtually. So. Good one. I love a good game of cribbage. One of my favorite two-player card games. Okay, so uh, the last one we picked to talk about today is another um, older kid and adult game, and it is Settlers of Catan. And I learned about this game from Megan, my co-host at the Mom Hour. Many of you know. Um, Megan has a big family. They like to play board games, um, and her kids are a lot older than ours, so they've been playing this for a long time. Um, I'm going to put it in the category of, like, risk, even Monopoly. Dominate the world. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those like country. acquire property and try to take over the lands. Um, it is actually pretty similar to Monopoly. I do think. I think it's like Monopoly with natural resources. But here's the thing. I don't tend to like games like that. And for some reason, I like Settlers of Catan. The, the duration of the game 
it makes sense to me. It doesn't seem to go on quite as long as some of those other ones. It can go on for a while, but we seem to have found ways to shut it down after 45 minutes. Um, and it feels like it moves a little bit more quickly and yeah, I just like it. You can also buy, we bought extension packs that allow you to play with more than four players. Um, and there's a whole bunch of different variations. So that's Settlers of Catan. I would say 10 and up for, um, just for having the patience to play a game like that. Eight and nine year olds maybe, but Mm -hmm. Okay. So as you know, at the end of every episode, we do a, what we're reading and what you're reading. So, Mom, what are you reading right now? So, I'm so glad you asked, Allegra. And I'm so glad that in this episode, we do get to feature a what you all out there are reading. Um, we didn't have that when we first recorded our first few, but this will be a part of every show. Um, but first, what we're reading. I am reading a novel called Less, L-E-S-S, uh, by Andrew Sean Greer. So, one of my goals for 2019 was to read more fiction, and I definitely did more fiction than usual for me. This novel, I am enjoying it. Uh, it won a bunch of awards and became pretty popular, so I had high expectations, and I am enjoying it. Um, I'm about three quarters of the way through. I'm getting pretty close to done. So how about you? What are you reading, Allegra? I have recently been going through the Babysitter's Club series, the old one, not the new graphic novel. Moms out there listening will be very familiar with the originals, um, but kids out there, the graphic novel versions are great, and they're, they're everywhere. Yeah. You see them everywhere. The originals are hard to find. They're yeah, not in your local library. I got them from library. my aunt, yes. who had like the whole entire series in my grandma's attic. In very good condition, I will say, yeah, in I order. Have, there are a lot. There are like 72 plus the super specials and the extra specials and the mystery series. And so have you been going in order? Yes, I have. I read a, one of the mysteries, but then I realized that it spoiled stuff. So so you do try to go in order. Yes. So what I'm number? I'm on number 33. I actually just finished one today. And yeah, so I started a new one. And have you read the graphic novel version or have you, are you a purist? I went through half of it when I was at Barnes & Noble, but then I had to just put it on my Christmas list. I know from working in the school library that the graphic novels are really popular. The originals, though, are so, so good. They're great. I love the different topics that they cover. And it's interesting that I keep, like, finding words that I don't know because it's from the olden times. (laughs) The olden times of the 1980s and early 90s, probably. Okay, well, that is a great pick. Anybody out there listening who also has a mint condition babysitter's club set, Those things are valuable. They are really valuable. I thought about trying to buy some for Allegra before we discovered we had a set in the family, but. It was like the first five for like $320. No, it wasn't like that, but it was like $85 for the first 12 or something. It was, it was, I was not going to pay that. So lucky us, stumbled across a full set. Um, Okay. And then as we finish up, we are going to feature one of our listeners and her family and what they are reading. And I'm so excited. It's Tessa, who's been a longtime listener of The Mom Hour, our other podcast. Um, And so, Allegra, I'll talk about what Tessa's reading, and then maybe you can feature what her girls are reading. So she sent in all three of these. Tessa is reading Queen Bees and Wannabes by Rosalind Wiseman. And perfectly fitting, that is a book about raising tween and teen girls, which Tessa is doing as am I. So, Tessa, you'll have to let me know how that one is. Yeah, so she has one kid named Reagan, who is 12 years old, who is reading Keeper of the Lost Cities by Shannon Messenger. Have you read that one? No, I have not. I actually haven't heard of it. 
Yeah, it looks like a good one. Add it to your list. And Reagan also had a couple others to recommend to our listeners. Um, So what are those? So those are the Warriors series, which my brother read the first couple ones, but I never really got into. I hear they're really good, though. And also the Land of Story series. I really liked the first book, but then I couldn't really get into the second one. Okay. But the first one's fantastic. Yeah, those are super popular in the school library as well. The Warriors series is that one about cats. Yes. And so the covers all have really awesome illustrations of yeah. cats. And the, I believe the Warriors series, all the authors are different. So when you look that one up, um, you're looking for the series because the author names are different. And that's just a good reminder that all of these books, including what we're reading and what you're reading, will be linked up in the show notes at kidliteratepodcast.com. But I cut you off. So what else is Tessa's family reading? So her other kid is named Elise, who is 10 years old, and she is reading. The Magic Misfit series, which I've read the first two books and just started the third one, which is by Neil Patrick Harris, who is an actor. Yeah. That many adults will know. Um, So if you all didn't know this, Neil Patrick Harris has a uh, it's not young adult, what it would be a middle grade um, fiction series. And the third one just came out. Right. So I wonder if Elise Elise knows that because I think Tessa said she she was on the second. She was. Yeah. Too bad we can't just, like, send a book to North Dakota over the podcast waves. Um, All right. And what else is Elise reading? She is reading Flora and Ulysses by Kate DiCamillo. I haven't read that one, but I've read a lot of others by Kate DiCamillo, like Because of Winn-Dixie and all the other ones. Mm -hmm. And finally is The War That Saved My Life, which I love. I've read it, like, three times. That's probably in or your more. top five I've also books. read the second one. I don't know if she knows about that Yeah, one. it's called... The War That I Finally Won. Very Actually, good. I don't own it because my friend let me borrow it. We trade books all the time. Yeah. So really good recommendations from Tessa and Reagan and Elise. And thank you for being our first listeners who sent in what you're reading. So anybody listening can send us an email. What's our email address, Allegra? Our email address is hello at kidliteratepodcast.com. Good. That was a pop quiz and you passed. So we love to hear from you. Tell us what you're reading and what your kids are reading. Ask us for recommendations. We're going to get to some of those in a future episode. And bonus points, if you want to record your voice or your kids want to record their voices telling us with their voice what they're reading, we would love to play that on the show as well. You can just do that right on your phone and then email that file to hello at kidliteratepodcast.com. Is it time to wrap up this episode of Like Yes, it is. All right. Well, we will talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. Yeah, talk to you then. Kid Literate is a production of Life Listened. Our sound engineer is Brian Thomas from Yokai Audio. You can find links to everything we mentioned at kidliteratepodcast.com. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you listen. Thanks. Thanks.